Uh, so in the be- in the very beginning, somebody tries to kidnap him to feed him to a witch, and we know that a little bit more than he does since we've read the the old witches. Are you fucking wow. kidding me? That's my mom. Now let's get an answer. Let's get an answer. Let's say hi. Hello. Hi. Okay. It doesn't show up yet. Once you, once you make it and put one in there, then it'll show up. And then uh, and then do tags if if you want. The tags are mostly good for people to like, you could, uh, go go like. Can you just imagine if they Django like reading subject, Leaves of Grass? Yeah, can use those I sing the body electric. Subject. <laughs> yeah. His okay. breathing is slowed, deeper, yeah, calming. Calm. That's the effect yeah. a mother has on a child. Uh, yeah. It's not so mechanical and like overly uh, sterile like his normal. I think you'll be able you know to pass the caption though? there. Is that his nose started running as soon as she answered? Um, she sort of got him. He's got oh. a steady drip of snot now. He's a more patient child than I am. <laughs> Normally, he's all give me the answers, but oh, yeah. yeah. Stop breathing. Here's over the image. That deep, soothing, what and comfort like back in the womb kind of breathing. Yeah. Acceptable podcast. I think it's episode 106. Ooh, I know. It's a lot of eps. Um, and just to like give you a little view, just a little sneak peek behind the curtain, we're recording this one in the morning, which is a thing we've always wanted to do. So Django's in his bathrobe, Justin's in his gorgeous silk boxers that mm. he sleeps in, which I get it, but every time he refers to his jam jams, now I know it's just silk and boxers. I slip out of the bed a lot. Yeah, but you slip out of those silk boxers a lot, too. And Jeff is wearing, well, we're going to leave that to your imagination. Yeah, but it's what I sleep in. A hoodie and jeans (laughs) on the couch. Um, Where every Tuesday in the morning, we get a bunch of comic books, and we sort them and count them and love them and read them and take them Mm -hmm. home Mm -hmm. and read them some more and then come back the next day and talk about them on this podcast and to our wonderful customers that we love. Some weeks are smaller than other weeks. Some months... Oh, you guys. This Wednesday was slash is Halloween. We're, of course, recording this at the normal time. Wednesday evening, I mean. Not the morning podcast at all. It's a spooky spooky in here. (laughs) So spooky, we got to read books and eat cake because my birthday's in three days from now. (laughs) And stuff. Spooky cast. So spooky we read cake. Some very spooky books this week. So if you're avoid, afraid of spoilers, because they're spooky. Spooky spoilers. Um, avoid reading these books. Ice Cream Man, number eight. Let's try that again. You're going to keep this in, you fucker. I'm not. I'm a good, good boy. Ice Cream Man, number eight. Heroes in Crisis, number two. Witches Bad Egg Special number one. Green Lantern Huckleberry Hound. He prefers to go by Huck. Green and Huck number one. Doom Patrol 
number 20. 12. 12. <laughs> uh, and Wildstorm, number something or other. 18. Uh, 18. Sorry, those are just some other books we're going to talk about uh, later. They're we'll probably, probably talk about other stuff. Other books, uh, too. Sorry, we... Uh, I bungled that one. I had too many things on display for Django, and uh, I'm a simple man. I need simple, simple numbers, Jeffrey. You're like that Leonard Skinner song, mm-hmm. Freebird. That's the one. That's my favorite Leonard Skinner song. By the way, we're sponsored this week by Intellitonic. We'll get back to that later. Oh, thanks, Intellitonic. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. That means a lot to us. Also, I can't say that word very well. It's that Intellitonic. Like- <laughs> there. Is- are- oh, what? Is it like tonic water? With vitamins in it that make you smarter? It's tonic water that has an enriched DNA code put into it. It's intelligent water. It's smart water, but it's the brand that put smart water out. Intelligence water. Intelligence water. It's They rebranded. Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Oh. I'll tell you more about that later. It's a real sponsor, <clears throat> so thanks very much. I want to hear about it later. You will. Good. You will. And we're, we're never going to hear about Murphy's apple juice again. No, those guys done passed us a short stick. <laughs> off a, off a, <laughs> they also off a, a long short branch. We should have cashed that check when they wrote it to us because they voided the check. Yeah, yeah, um, and now they're avoiding us. Yeah, they sure are. Sure as beans are. Something about implying that they we said they were in a cult. Yeah, but they're the ones they're... with the mother scooby. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that might have been that might have been the deal breaker. We. There were some other things. Now that I look back on it, uh, we should treat our sponsor with a little more respect. Yeah. No matter how smart their water is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Jeff, and uh, I'm super happy to be here in the morning of Halloween. I'm Django, and I don't know what day is it. When is – do we have daylight savings time coming up? That yesterday. Wait, no, like three days from now. Four days right, sorry. Uh, right, because it's Wednesday, <laughs> 31st. Listen, That's whenever you're days. listening to this, we recorded this before that. Yes, for sure, for <laughs> sure that. I'm Justin, and I'm in a space that is in between night and day as the veil lifts on the Day of the Dead, where it's both morning and night. Do you think he writes this shit? Because he just, he just says it, and it looks so effortless. I'm also wearing gloves. Oh. <laughs> That party wrote. Gloves and jam jams. That party wrote. <laughs> jam jam hands. Jammy um, hands. Ice Cream Man, number eight by... Oh, right off the... W.M. W. Maxwell Prince. W. Art by Martin Morazzo. <clears throat> Colors by Chris O'Halloran. Lettering this... by good old Neon. Huh. God, neon <laughs> is busy. Neon is busy. <laughs> neon is color. <clears throat> and a little painful on the eyes, too. Neon is light. So listen, this is going to be a really tight podcast because I uh, don't have time to edit it this time. Got to get it up into the cloud for you all very quickly. So Ice Cream Man. We got to take that out. That's a little too much behind the curtain, You're Jeff. right. We parted the kimono just a little too heavily there. <laughs> uh, this issue, I think, just kind of starts out with more standard horror tropes than we've gotten from this series for the most part. Yeah, so this one... This one seems to be more of one of those, like, backbone issues that I think gives a little bit more of a hint into what's been going on in this series yeah. than a lot of sort of the more rib-like pieces. I'm using a lot of spooky verbiage oh, today. yeah. Spooky descriptors. Um, but, yeah, this one, I, we've got two 
ambulance drivers who are basically just driving around <laughs> and they have been stealing drugs from the hospital and they just take them kind of regardless of the side effects. Or how lame they are. Yeah, right. that's true. Um, to, to basically just get their rocks off a little bit. There's like no- They're bored. They're Criminally bored, bored. and depressed. Yes. And shucks howdy if that's not why I do a lot of the drugs I do, so I hear it. <laughs> or anything that's that I do. That's not an endorsement of drugs. Yeah. It's, it's a slight against boredom. It's why I drink 45 seltzer waters in one day. <laughs> I just love the tickle on my tongue. <laughs> Put that glove back on. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I got <laughs> These are my opinion gloves, people. And chatty I got gloves. Lots, yeah, my chatty gloves. Um, I have a question about this book. Yeah. I haven't read every single issue. Um, I think that's okay. I really, really like it. Uh, but that's beside the point. What do you think that little guy is on the street chasing the guy? There's a little animal. He At first I thought maybe he was a possum that broke out of a house and there's wooden boards on him. But what do you think he is? He's got – is he running through confetti? What's going on I think it's there? an albino bear. Oh. Is this from another issue? No. Is this no. like a theme, the this, albino bear? So this whole series has been – kind of one shots with an overarching yeah. couple of characters through them and we have had a couple issues that ha, uh, that show characters from previous stories the ice cream ish issue with the three different colors had yeah. like people that i recognized from other issues in it i think that this one just has a bunch of scary stuff happening i don't this, i don't think anybody in here other than the the cowboy who shows up on the last panel and the the interspersed panels with the um Ice cream man licking his lips and stuff. I don't think anything else is referencing yeah. earlier issues. I don't think so either. I think what this issue was saying is that, and it's kind of the vibe we've gotten from previous issues, is that we have almost these two like eternal deity-like things that keep each other in balance and in check, and it's the ice cream man and the dark cowboy. And the dark cowboy seems to be the sort of force of order and law and positivity. And then the ice cream man is, the, you know, chaos and evil and just things, you know, deteriorating. And this issue, everything is just really deteriorating. As they're driving around, people are getting murdered. There's cars crashing into things. Buildings are on fire. People are killing themselves. This was like nihilism porn. Yeah, and at the end, we realize that the cowboy has been stabbed in the back of this ambulance that they're just driving around. And not only that, but he's not getting helped because of all the chaos. So it, to me, seems like the force of sort of order or balance is off. I think... Yeah. I think that he's not being helped because of these people who are too wrapped up in their own shit, the ambulance drivers, and the chaos is happening because he's incapacitated. Right. Right, so like yeah. the chaos is following them because he's, he can't really stop it. Well, right, That's and his job. I think that him getting stabbed <clears throat> has sort of removed his function of order, and maybe if he weren't stabbed, these people would have actually gotten him to the hospital, but the fact that he's yeah. stabbed has prevented them from getting there, and it's also just like thrown everything into chaos. Yeah, and it seems like this whole issue is kind of commentating on, like, chaos ensues when you're so wrapped up in your own shit that you don't have time to pay attention to the world, and then that's when, like... Because all these things, these terrible things are happening, but there's kind of a meditation on, like, this guy quoting things from the Bible, and it seems like there's kind of a meditation that we're all so wrapped up in our own shit we couldn't see good stuff. Yeah. If if it, even if it was there, and then like the embodiment of whatever this cow positivity is, kind of how I read this, like mm -hmm. the capacity for good in the world, 
like we're so wrapped up in our own shit we don't even realize the good things are passing away yeah um and this sort of narrative hook is that there's this voice that we hear in the form of like anxiety or, or whatever or fear ego. or ego that like drives us and it's a little bit harder to listen to the voice of positivity positivity in the background and then whenever they talk about that voice of positivity it shows the heart monitor of like a slowly decreasing heart rate with less volume in it and that's the heart rate of the cowboy in the back dying so this yeah i don't know i like it that and in this issue and I think that it's, you know, intentionally super, super vague and can mean whatever you want it to mean, but it had lots of, like, overtones of, like, Twin Peaks to me in terms mm. of those, like, larger concepts of this oh, bigger sense of order and chess game being played that, like, we're all just a part of, but, like, everything sort of moves in synchronicity with one another, and there's these two sort of integral figures that are having some sort of larger relationship. I, I, and then the art is... Amazing. Yeah. yeah. This this issue being like a, a book that I've only been able to get so many issues in Spokane of but really liked. Like last year, the few issues I read was probably some of my favorite issues of 2017, early 2018. And like being removed from seeing everything, this kind of felt like the connective tissue or where like the narrative actually is starting to kind of reveal itself rather. Because the stuff that I've read is usually just like – you know, illogical world where everything leans towards bad when Ice Cream Man, like, it's an yep. illogical world that just everything is fucked up. Yeah. And last night I was actually reading this next to Aaron, and I started to tear up because as fucked up as shit is going, the kind of message at the end is, like, almost like this, like, spend time with people. Like, the good happens outside yourself. Like, being wrapped up in your problems is the source of your problems. Like the amount of attention you put to your problems makes them bigger. And like just listening for that voice that is in there that is oftentimes harder to hear or harder to see. Yeah. Um, and you know, that comes from inside as well, but also it's this small voice compared to this echoing angry, large voice in there that I always attune to. I just like the ooky stuff. I, I well, I was going to say, I agree that, um, like, this this issue, there was the one where, they were, like, the person's like, descending down the elevators or, like, the staircases. Oh, yeah. I think I issue five. That. that one seemed to have a little bit more to do with the cowboy and the ice cream man. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's weird because you read these books and you don't come away with that story. But then when we look back on it, we remember their appearances and how they affected the world around them. And, like, it's... It's not super obvious one issue at a time, but as as that arc builds, you're like, oh shit, these guys have been doing this or affecting the world the whole time. Well, and I think not to get like overly Justin Jeff masturbatory, but like it's almost like they're not necessarily characters, but they're just sort of like universal forces or ideas, like you know, like instances of the fifth dimensional plane that like we're all sort of always a byproduct of what's going on up there. And, like, those two are sort of that. These the war like, in heaven. Yeah, these universal constants yeah. that... And and I guess I really like that idea when it's dressed as something so weird as an ice cream man versus <clears throat> a cowboy. Yeah. Yeah. This book, like, is so absurdist and so just that like he throw Every issue throws you into this random kind of... Every time I read this book, it's, like, pretty taxing on me. Like, it makes me feel like shit. And I like it because I think it's masterfully done. But, like... It just, like, is heart-wrenching. And this, like I was saying, I've read this book twice. I came here early to read it again because I was like, holy shit. I think amongst all of this, like, absurd, like, the world is chaos. Like, 
I think someone could read this and think that the writer is just trying to be cynical and ooky, but um, I think there's like this overarching positive message that is about community and like a meditation on depression, depression and the ideas that get stuck in our head. Um, and it kind of became clear reading this issue that I think overall this book in, is dressed in a bunch of ooky nihilistic irrational shit, but I think overall it's like a really optimistic book when you read it in a certain context. Like, yeah. Um, and these characters that we're following in the ambulance, they're kind of working through their own shit the whole... Yeah. And he takes this, like, drug that makes him kind of have euph euphoric visions and thoughts, and he's kind of being able to rationalize that he's he's the problem of his own life. And, yeah, I think this book is fucking awesome. Ten. Ten. Um, Ten. Yeah. Probably Jeff. like nine, nine point five. Sorry, there I you go. really, yeah, no, really high up there. I think my favorite issue is still the Neapolitan one, and that yep. one is my ten probably. And this one I think is just for me like a fraction below it, so like nine point five. I think this might be my favorite issue of the series so far. Not, I, I missed a couple. I don't know which ones because um, I've also listened to this podcast when you guys talk about it. But favorite book of the week. Yeah, and I do favorite. love the positivity in it because you're right. And I, even the Neapolitan one to me, there was like this really strong positivity in it yeah yeah it's a little it's hidden he mm. makes you work for it which... it might be one of my favorite books coming out right now Agreed. like Agreed. like top two or three same yeah it's i think it's hard in like this comic book climate to to love a book in its longevity like there's so many number mm -hmm. ones there's so many things that you like rebooted there's so many events going on that it seems like there's just a, almost a huge push for number ones and excited like being excited about newness and there's not a ton of things that, you know, seem to be built for a long run. Yeah, for sure. There's not much incentive to stick with a book all the way through. Right. It's just like, oh, well, there's a new thing. There's a new thing. So it's good or to this like. This issue is going to be big or whatever. I wonder how much of that is is us being a little bit jaded because we we kind of see the, the machine a little bit more. Yeah, like I for sure think that yeah we're we're jaded because we are also exposed to all those number ones. Yeah, yeah, and I've I've learned to appreciate being manipulated by a writer into wanting the next issue. Um, but if I were a little more cynical, I'd probably be pissed off that they, you know, everything's a everything's a cliffhanger and a reboot. And that I had something else to say on Ice Cream Man, but I forgot. You're beautiful. Come oh. back to it. Yeah. Heroes in Crisis number two by Tom King, Clay Mann, and someone by name Mori. Travis Moore. Moray. <coughs> uh, and then Tomei Mori. And so we had two artists on here. I didn't realize that pages 16 through 18 were somebody else. Yeah, yeah. When you look at it close, you'll realize it. Yeah, I complained to Django. I'm like, Django, I feel like there's two artists in here. This looks like a Snickers ad. <laughs> and it definitely was a Snickers ad. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Travis Moore. Or maybe congratulations, Travis Moore. Maybe he's drawing the Snickers ad. Oh, they're finally crediting that Snickers ad. <laughs> uh, guys, I was so excited to read this that I read it even though I was falling asleep. It's good. And then I fell asleep. And then I woke up and kept reading it. And then I fell asleep and I woke up and kept reading it. I hope I can keep up with you on this one. Well... Gosh, I mean, it's Halloween day. It's been a couple days since we read this. Um, I I loved it. It was my, it was probably my favorite book of the week, even though it would probably have a similar score or maybe a half point lower than Ice Cream Man. <laughs> I don't necessarily know that it's as high of a caliber of book, but it's it's I love reading it. 
I mean, it's an event book and it's a superhero book, but I would put it at, like, it's probably one of the most high caliber, like, it feels good to read a crisis that's, like, this serious and involving a big, ca- I don't know, I'm a sucker. I am too, and I, I love, <laughs> I'm a sucker for, like a, D, like, a big DC thing that seems well done, and it seems like it's wanted to be done, and it's not, like, Justice League drowned Earth because Aquaman's coming out, you know? Yeah. Like, it's, when a, when a, you know that like a year and a half ago, Tom King said he wanted to be doing this like thing with Sanctuary about PTSD, and you know, based on his success, I think DC was like, "Well, let's make it an event and let's yeah. make it this stuff. Let's yeah. add two or three <clears throat> issues to it," which they did. This book feels like it's it, some of the crisis books have come out because they need an event. You know, they're like, "We need some crazy ground groundbreaking shit." This seems real genuine. It, it it reads like a book that wants to be out in the world rather than a book that's just forced out into the world. Yeah, like, I couldn't agree more. I think that's totally right. And it's it's sweet to have a event that's like generated for itself, not to just have a wide cast of characters to get more readers. Yeah, you know, like most event books are like, "Let's put everyone in there so everyone can read this book." This book actually is trying to tell a, a pretty serious story too. So the the thing that I would the the closest parallel I would draw to this book is probably Identity Crisis. Agreed. Agreed. Because they've set up a mystery. And it's a pretty harrowing mystery, right? Like yeah. the other one was who's who's killing these people. This one is who killed all these all these people at Sanctuary. Yeah. And we don't know yet. And as well we, as what is Sanctuary like it seems like Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman are all pretty involved with the murder of all of this. And is there a new Blood on the heads. a new dead person in this? Did, did we find out somebody else died? The dude with the star on his chest? Yeah. I don't know who that is. I would say I'm pretty impressed that looking back on it, yeah, I totally can tell that's a fill-in artist. But I'm impressed that I didn't catch it on my first time through. Like they've you, got a real similar like glossy color thing to it. You know what I think it mostly is hmm. that they did it in a scene that's separate from the rest right. of the book, yeah. so it's yeah. okay that it looks different. Yeah, I stopped reading at that point and got up to go to the bathroom and came back and was like, "Whoa, is this a Snickers?" Like I legitimately thought it, it was does, a Snickers. The ad. colors look like the Snickers ad. Yeah. And then I realized, like, oh, this is a different artist than the rest. Of the-. And I still had to check with uh, the old comic pros, Eagle Eyes that, over there. The Eagle Eye Hound over there. Yeah. This one, okay, so the couple standout things for me on this one was it, we did spend time in Sanctuary in the nine-panel introductory sessions with Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman. Yeah. I so think good. each one of those was really, really good. Yeah. And each one, I think, did a lot to further develop three characters that seems surprising to me that you're still able to mine new stuff out of. For sure. Mm-hmm. It's like, like, it's crazy to get that depth from Wonder Woman or Batman or Superman, like these characters that have been around forever to have, you know, sort of a new instance of their weakness. Well, this is kind of the thing you're not supposed to talk about with superheroes, right? right? Like you, you can't talk about how Superman actually flies and you can't talk about the effects of trauma on, on any of these guys. Yeah. So like having somebody look at that directly, I think is really... Cool. I think it's a pretty cool instance of showing how well um, Tom King conceptualized and knows these characters. Like, mm-hmm. this is how I feel like the Superman in my head would respond to stress. Like, yeah. I, it shows that he he knows what he's doing for being a young gun. Yeah. I wonder how old he is. <clears throat> I don't know, but he's young to write in books. You know, he's only been around. For right. Four no. Or five yeah. Years. For sure. For sure. I, I wonder if he's like in his forties, fifties. Did you guys like the uh, the song that Harley sang? No. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I... I liked the whole thing. I, yeah, I, I didn't, like, actively dislike it, but also in Wildstorm, there's a moment of the person, like, singing in it, and 
for me, I'm like, is that a real song? I, I don't know that song. I'm trying to make it fit. I'm like, okay, H-A-P-P-P-Y, are you holding the P's or are you stuttering <laughs> P? Like the, the, the whole thing very much like takes me like into a problem solving, like what is that song? And I didn't know this one. At least in the first issue, I recognized the song that she was singing. I liked it because it reminded me of the Jumblies um, by Edward Lear, which is one of my favorite poems. Is it a real poem or a real song? I don't know. I can't imagine that they, that... It's exactly a real song, right? Three wise heroes in Gotham, they went to sea in a bowl, and if the bowl had been stronger, my song would be longer. Yeah, and the first issue was her changing the lyrics in an actual song. I can't remember what song oh, it so was. So maybe this is. So I don't know, but like, uh, I guess. No, uh, uh, no. It's just, uh, I think that, yeah, I mean, for me and just my brain, it just took me out of it a little bit because yeah. I want to know what that is. Sometimes I feel like songs are put in, into things just to have thought bubbles where you don't have to write intelligent dialogue you just fill it in there to have like there are times in even in grant morrison's run where i'm like oh obert and sex and singing again like yeah but i think this was good because maybe harley she just likes to sing because she's crazy like tom king's harley sang in the last issue right. so maybe that's just one of her like funky corks mr j and speaking of she's in the old harley costume which is yeah. awesome thank you tom king thank you dc please put some clothes on harley um, I really like... I love that costume, too. I mean, the singing thing to me, I feel like it's kind of like, maybe she's just kind of crazy, and then it's going to be like post-hypnotic triggers or oh, songs yeah. are going to be a part of something or like the person That's who did true. it sang in a certain way and we're going to be numb to it by the end and then it'll be like a reveal or something. I, I dig that. I like that as a, a over a larger plot device or some kind of hint towards, yeah, the hypnotic trigger that made, made people kill She's an actual scary Harley Quinn in this, too. I like that. She and now she has kryptonite. Yeah. yeah. Well, so that's my other probably favorite thing about this issue was it, to me, harkened back to Infinite Crisis, where at the beginning of Infinite Crisis, there's a moment where the Trinity is all standing together, and it's after, like, Wonder Woman has killed Maxwell Lord, and they're just, like, pissed at each other and yeah. don't trust each other. And it's not, like, directly insulting one another, but there's just a very clear, you know, through dialogue, it's clear there's a rift in their relationship, and... The moment that they have in this one is very much like that to me. Just yeah. the sort of like, well, you're the greatest detective. Like, what's going on? It's like, I don't know what's going on. And like, you know, really, Batman, like, tell us what you think it is. And, you know, like, do you have kryptonite? He's like, no, I don't have kryptonite. And then he gets the lasso on him from Harley. And it turns out he does have kryptonite. Yeah. And even without having a direct conversation, you're just like, ooh. Yeah. yeah. Batman Lobo. lied to Superman. Yeah, and his Superman bun. trusts him. Yeah. And shit. Yeah, just that's an instance of really good characterization with, you know, that's showing, don't tell, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah really well done. I would give it uh, eight and a half. Solid eight and a half. The the panel with Booster flying over the, the oh, God. lake in the cow, field of cows is amazing. It's well, gorgeous. And the, the penguin walking scene, like yep. all of yeah. those. That's the yep. second issue where they've got this huge sort of landscape shot where Heroes in Crisis is written. The, and that penguin scene is awesome. I love yeah. how much it looks like Tim Burton's penguin. Yeah, I love that nose. I'm going to go nine. Yeah, I'm going to go a classic niner on that classic one. Classic niner. Niner, niner. Calling this one in. Calling it in. Niner. Six. Phil, nine. I'm going nine, and you can't make me go higher or lower. No, Jango, you got a resealable bag on this book. I do. Uh, remember the old days when we just had resealable bags? <laughs> I remember those days. You guys remember the old days when we were getting witches once a month? Was it? Did it stay on time? I don't know. It was only like five issues. Yeah. I don't think it did. 
It was good, though. It's real good. I do think it slowed down, yeah. Real good, scary story. And now we've got a uh, Witch's Bad Egg Halloween special by Scott Snyder. Oh, God, Django, those eggs are bad. They smell like you've been spoiling in there. Yeah. You spoiling in there with those bad eggs? you up there spoiling with bad, bad eggs? Those eggs spoiled up there? You're so mean to me all the time. (laughs) Your huevos smell like old ranch. (laughs) Uh, Matt Hollingsworth on colors. <laughs> oh. So this was originally printed in the Image Plus year two. So it was like four or five pages per issue of Image Plus. And they collected it all in here and I think added a little bit of extra material. And it follows this kid, Sebastian, who is like, a, I don't know, like an 11-year-old kid. Uh, his best friend lives next door. He moves around a lot, and he's never really been allowed to have friends because his mom is a witch hunter. Does he got a dad? He doesn't have a dad that we've so he's a some bastard. That one's oh, for you, Newberry. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I heard someone wanted to talk to me. <clears throat> yes, Barry. Newberry. Yes, Newberry. Thank you. You can just call me Barry, though. Yeah. Oh, don't gosh. Bury the lead. <laughs> Bury! Oh, 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 I'm doing exercises, but you can't see. <laughs> this is a message for Depwe. Oh. This is Phil, the engineer. Oh. Your fans are clamoring for more Barry. Oh. Enough said. Laters. Phil? Phil invited me to one of his blues shows. <laughs> he said I could come. He did. Django just looked at me with cum eyes. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Sebastian uh, almost Sebastian. gets kidnapped. You know, I don't want to miss that good joke. Oh, that is a good joke. Uh, we know that he's going to be eaten by a witch if he gets kidnapped just because we've read the previous series. Um, and it just kind of follows him and his buddy. They want to be professional slot car racers. And his secret is that he's on the run from witches, and he's trying to kill uh, like the highest house, higher house witches. And what he's not supposed to tell his best friend is that his best friend's parents are witches, and they're going to feed his buddy to, or they're they're like uh, they they help make witches by digging a hole and feeding them a kid. Do witches feed- eat people in this? Yeah. yeah, and they're gonna they're gonna feed his buddy okay. to the witch. Not the, so they're not gonna feed their child, but yeah. the child's buddy. They're gonna, not Sebastian, but Sebastian's friend is gonna get fed to the witch. Okay, and it's his parents that are doing that. Yeah, so they're bad parents. Yeah, yeah. And, and Sebastian's mom is a fighter against them. If I knew that I was gonna have to feed one of my children to witches, I would always have kids in sets of two. Well, you would think so, but oh, to them, the witch is their child. And the kid. Which child? Oh, I don't know. Third base. Oh, <laughs> the boys are back in town. Um, this is really good. The really, art looks scary. Stunning. Yeah, the art's great. Jock. It looks gorge, if you will. Yeah, Jock knows what the hell he's doing. Um, I like that it looks so uh, consistently a part of the previous series, which mm-hmm. did end like three or four years ago. Yeah, it's been a really long time, and... I didn't read the uh, this as it as it was serialized in Image Plus because right. two or three pages at a time, two or three pages at a time, and it's been years since I I was in this world. But I would say that this is a fine jumping on point. I don't think you really need to know. They do a really good job of leading you through, but also not seeming 
redundant if you if you've read the other series. And I've heard that the next volume, Sebastian, is a main part of. Yeah, yeah, and I think that uh, the lady, his mom, in this is a main character from the previous series. Okay, but like I said, it doesn't matter. Like this, this could be a one shot just as easily as a follow up. Do you think that subtitle "Bad Eggs" was good? Because I don't think that was a great. To quote Roman, that's not how you sell a fucking book. Oh, I don't know if it was. I don't know. It's not bad eggs. It's bad egg. Like a bad kid. Yeah. And the the team name, the slot car racer team name is the bad eggs. I mean, it makes way more sense now that, like, it's out and we know the whole story. But, like, bad eggs was, I was just like, oh, God. I mean, I I get, I know it's not eggs they're talking about, but there's, like, goosebump stories about bad eggs and aliens and eggs. A very spooky tale of the baddest eggs (laughs) boiling away in the bedrooms of our hearts. Django's whole shriveled (laughs) wafers that smell like bad ranch. What do you give it? Sorry. I'd, I'd give it a, an eight and a half. God. It's a solid goddamn comic. Django, I got a real bell ringer for you. All right. Oh, yeah. uh, keep your gloves on and, and ask me. Wait, bell oh. ringer? Yeah. Ding. He's the bell Here. horse. Yeah. Standard. Ding dong. Here, you know, I'm ringing your bell. Ah. Are the witches in this world, are they humans? Are they like like witchcraft witches? They have a Y in their name. They eat people. I mean, I know some witches eat babies in that one movie. They live in trees. They live in trees, and they have these super long, spindly limbs. They, they are, have they're witchcraft? Not human. They're not human. I, I don't think that they were even necessarily Associated. ever human. I think okay. that there's a, a theory... I think it was this book where they say that maybe at some point we were the same and we split off genetically. Okay. Um, yeah, or like did people go in They're like wicker people? And they live in sacrifice trees. to become a thing. Yeah, it's it's real spooky and and is there a presence of witchcraft in there? Or do they just yeah, like, call witches? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. Do they do magic or do they just like bundle sticks together and call it witchcraft? People will sacrifice kids to them in exchange for like longer limbs. People like <laughs> longer limbs or like potions or love potions or life extension things. Yeah, but that's okay. that's all more like apothecary stuff. Yeah. Then I would than say anything. a love potion is pretty witchcraft. Yeah, it is. Hocus pocus. Love potion number nine. Uh, yeah, you know, you put you can put dead cat shit and babies and potions. I've always thought that I needed just slightly longer arms proportionally for my body. So if you guys can find me a kid to sacrifice, I you need longer have to limbs. sacrifice a whole kid just yeah. for kind of longer well, arms. Yeah, <laughs> like one baby's arm. The cover and the back cover are real good too. Get me some spoiled eggs, and I'll go out into the forest, and maybe I'll return with some longer arms. On the topic of spoiled eggs, I'm can someone tell eggs. me about Green Lantern and, Huck- and Huckleberry Hounds? <laughs> Green Lantern and Huckleberry's Hounds? I was going to defer to Bellringer Born over here. Um, Listen, do you know what Bellringer bell means? Like, ding, boxing, I, you're ringing my bell. I think you know? it can mean two things. Oh. I think it Did can I mean... Did I mess up a little bit? No. No. Uh, no, I think it can mean that you get hit in the head. Yeah, I, that's like, me. Clang! I hit my own you got head. Your bell rung. Yeah, I got my right? bell rung. I think it also means like, if I'm ringing your bell, oh, I'm uh, giving you a little, a little bell uh, ring, petite mort, if you know what I mean. Oh, oh. little, little death. Yeah. real small. I meant like life. you know, bell ring and like hit me over the head with your knowledge. You know, oh, it was a boxing. It okay. was a metaphor. Um, Here's what I would say about this Green Lantern and Huckleberry Hound number one by Mark Russell, J.M. Demadius, Rick Leonardi, two other anchors. Um, who was that? Dan Green and Andy Parks. Colors by Steve Bucoletto and letters Jesus. by Wes Abbott. <laughs> a lot of people worked on this book. 
the thing I'll tell you about this is that uh, three pages in, I was like, I would recognize Mark Russell's writing. Mm-hmm. Like, no if ands, or buts. I think you could give me three different comics, and I even somebody trying to disguise themselves as Mark Russell, I think I'd be able to pick him out. Yeah, I, that one, and I didn't finish Snagglepuss, nor did I read this, but just like reading that, uh, the Judge Dredd and the Lone Ranger one, where mm-hmm. to me it was just finally like, he has an unmistakable, like, snide, intelligent, writing ability. And not like Snide in a negative way, even though it obviously has it's a snarky. But yeah, but Snarky was just like a dry, intelligent wit that's sarcastic and immediately present, but not intentionally on the surface. For yeah, me, it's, I would say wit is how like I would describe like he's yeah, just yeah. very, very witty. Yeah, Snide seems too sharp. Like he's He's more subversive. He he let yeah. He's I feel great. like he's uh like he's slapping you with a big, like a comedically large piece of meat. <laughs> Mert. But he spent a lot of time picking out that cut of meat to slap you with. Yeah, he's very, very good. I wanted you to describe this to ring my bell, if you will. Um, <laughs> Django the cowbell boring. Hawk oh. my heart. Hawk because, my you heart. know, there's the one cow that has the cowbell around its neck that guides all the other cows. Oh, yeah. Django the comic book bell cow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> this is all, like, real life shit, and I can sit there and talk to you about, like, wookie dumb spiritual stuff, but when it comes to, like, real emotions, I was, like, a mess. In a good way. I was like, oh, and I felt very... This is also the realm of comic books that I very much enjoy. Like, I love comic books to stretch your brain, and I also love comic books that uh, bring you back to the real world in in a way. In this book, even though there's a blue talking dog, it's it's more real emotions than most books that I've read. That's the fucking thing thing. that he does. Yeah, like, he can just make, you know, an absolutely strange, bizarre situation feel like absolute humanity. So the setup is that Jon Stewart is new to having his ring. He's getting trained. Uh, in the very beginning, he has to problem solve uh, a thing by not killing the attacker. And his next challenge is to go back to Earth and not use his ring. So it's uh, the U.S. 1972. Vietnam has just ended. Mm. And uh, Huckleberry Hound's son, right, is a washed-up comedian. Um, so it's a nice little sequel kind of follow-up to Exit Stage Left, The Snagglepuss Chronicles, and just is is a really human story about this Vietnam vet, this black Vietnam vet, and Huckleberry Hound. I guess he wasn't a vet. His brother was, and his brother got killed. In a uh, really in, in some fucking like, tragic way. Yeah, like racially charged cops versus uh, black people in, in their home. And his commentary on power is so good. Mm-hmm. There's a really good scene where, in, uh, like, Huckleberry Hound is saying how he grew up in a he grew up poor um, in in Mississippi around poor people, and they've got like the guy on the porch is like, "Hey, a Huck," and then uh, a, a couple panels later. It's got the same guys in their KKK hoods, and they're driving by Huckleberry Hound's house, and they're like, "Hey, Huck!" Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, that that panel got me. Yeah, like these, this is just like something, something about that where they're super friendly, just kind of doing their thing, and yeah. they're like, yeah, butt- buttholes. 
And I feel like every three pages or so, I've learned a really important lesson in this book. For sure. It's, there, it's amazing. There's almost like a micro-anarchist manifesto here in a couple panels when it's like yeah. the thing that makes us responsible citizens is when we know to defy, like, to defy and say no to the government, like to not blindly follow. And you see, I think that's exemplified in like Huckleberry Hound seeing these nice guys as also KKK members, like when right. to draw the line, when to say no, when to, def- you know, to rebel. Well, it's the overarching theme of the whole plot also. Like he's sent to Earth, not allowed to use his ring, but he uses his ring to save Huckleberry Hound. And his mentor says, oh, yeah, I I didn't send you here not to use your ring. I sent you here to figure out when to break the rules. Yeah, the whole thing is about breaking rules. And um, sometimes if the rules are fucking shitty or if morality is – if the general morality of of this culture is bad, then, you know, to rebel is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I – Reading this in Ice Cream Man last night, I was like, I want to go read all of this guy's work and all of Ice Cream Man. Like, there's a huge chunk of comics that are doing really good things that I've missed out on. Um, He's got a really good feeling for, like, silly cartoons set up in Punchline. You know, like this, the one of the cops says to a guy he's hassling, he's like, are you getting smart? The guy says, no, sir, I've always been smart. Yeah. And that's like... It's obviously just a setup and a punchline that he wrote like that. Like, it's not supernatural dialogue, but it's really funny. And there's a lot of that in the Snagglepuss Chronicles. Kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 And it, it works. I don't think it would work in just an everyday comic as well as it works with, you know, in, in the context of this is a Hanna-Barbera thing, which was all set up in punchlines. Like, half the shit Bugs Bunny says doesn't make sense unless the guy before him said exactly the words he said, right? Yeah. This book, like, reminded me that there's some political identity in me that, like, likes getting a little bit of political commentary, social commentary in the books that I read. Mm-hmm. I've forgotten that with a lot. So it, it was good to be like, oh, this is, like, politically motivating to me and makes me want to engage with politics a little bit more via comics. And a lot of the times comics are so, like, worldview pushy if they are political. Like, there's much a whole bunch of, like you should do this or you're bad or you should think this or you're bad. So this like being so slapsticky, I was like, this is like the type of political commentary that I like Yeah. because it's, it's never pretentious. It's always kind of cute and fun. Yeah. He makes it really digestible and he's, yeah, he's very, uh, genuine yeah. about it. And it, and it, as preachy as it is, it never feels preachy. It's a little bit sneaky. Yeah. And, yeah. And he's just like, Django, the sneaky creature born. <laughs> Sometimes I just feel like a big blue hound in a in a Green Lantern's world, so it's good to... I'd give that a 7.5 or an 8. I'd give it an 8.5. Phil? Oh, he said that was okay. Yeah. Listen, uh... It. Let's take a second. Let's take a second. I'm going to get this bite. Um, No chance here. I want to just create an island of sort of support for uh, an idea. Django, give it to me. Intellitonic is a Bellingham-based, conversion-centric digital marketing agency focused on proving sales, not just traffic and impressions. It's their goal to become your business digital marketing department, not just your vendor. That can be used if you can't ad-lib anything. Oh, wait, no, not that last part. Um... That is the you most... made it sound like a chant there. Were you trying to do that at the beginning? Can we try it again? Got... No, because it's no. going to be religion that and was politics. A, that was a <laughs> What if a religion, tech religion chant? and politics is the only chant that he knows, mm-hmm. actually? Yeah. You wish. Uh, listen, <laughs> it's a long find... enough chant to be like 10 chants. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you can find them at intellitonic.com. That's I-N-T-E-L-L-I-T-O-N-I-C 
Jango.com. So basically, they're a... Yeah, like can a, you... Kate, Django? Jeff? Can you break it down for Justin and I what their, yeah. what Intellitonic is about? Make it a little slapstick for well, us. Intellitonic is a Bellingham-based okay. conversion-centric digital could you not marketing waste my agency. Time? <laughs> Man, could you break it down for me? Uh, basically, they are an advertising agency that is focused on showing results rather than just getting you eyeballs or clicks on your thing. So like a lot of places will market and show off their uh, how, how many new people they've brought in. But these guys are actually like trying to get through just those numbers of new people and finding the people that will make you money. Because like I'll click a clickbait article headline and then not explore a website at all once I figure out what that thing is. So that's an instance of like people advertising without getting results, whereas this is yeah. actually breaking through the amniotic sack of bullshit yeah. and actually getting people engaged in in the thing. Yep. And okay, all right, all and right. They're right upstairs from us. I think that's they're like, on the second floor here. That's like business and psychology meeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're pretty good at it. Like I see their I see their posts a lot more than I realized after I started talking to these guys. Um, they're sneaking into my life. And it's good. Uh, and here's it's the, the other thing that Jeff will always say when he means it. Um, <laughs> really nice guys, really yeah. nice folks. They bump into us often. Um, nothing makes me feel better uh, than supporting the art of people that are actually genuinely good folks. Yeah. So uh, I don't. You don't have to have a single modicum of shame uh, when you when you check out intelatonics.com. Is that right? Intelatonic. Intel. No. It's no. Not us. like pentatonics. It's not nope. that acapella group. Nope. Intelatonic.com. Man, acapella group would be a good. Stop uh, it! No! 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 There's not enough in you in the world to stop you. <laughs> if I uh, were to like try to make up or imagine uh, a sponsor that Django Born would go and seize and find and get for us, it would be something like that. Dude, they found and, us. Oh. They're big fans of Murphy's Apple Juice uh-huh. before Murphy's turned bad, and uh, they approached us. Bad so, apples, huh? Listen, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I think this is a good match. And then we've got mixed lima beans on the docket, but not yet. Yeah, and something about uh, cash for houses for gold for guns, I think. It was the... Those guys are going to advertise pretty and soon. And Jeff, didn't you get that sponsorship of a website that pairs you with the perfect stuffed animal based on anim- animal, spirit animal, like personality type? Isn't That's, that what? Where- oh, they found uh, me. <laughs> That's why there's two of me, actually. <laughs> yeah, Jeff matched with and two. Teletonic did it. And Teletonic, <laughs> get yourself a berry. Uh. <laughs> Um, let's talk for a second about Doom Patrol number 12, Into the Daemonscape, a quest for adventurers, levels 16 through 20, written by Gerard Way, Nick Darrington, and Jeremy Lambert, um, Dan McCade, Tamara Bonvion, and Todd Klein. Um, Justin, Doom Patrol's back. Yeah! Doom Patrol's back. I think that the last issue came out, like... I think it was seven months ago. I yeah. think this is the last issue for now, it is. too. It no, is. it's the final last issue, the ultimate last issue. Cause Although some person was in here telling us that there is going to be a second book of it. but I don't know. Really? He, yeah, but I don't know if he was just meaning the second trade, which this will be the final issue of. Uh, yeah, this is, a, this is a, a book that is wearing Doom Patrol skin. Yeah. What a... So there was a lot of good things that Doom Patrol did, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what a strange way to end your entire imprint with this book. And to sort of, like, capitalize on the how in vogue Dungeons and Dragons is right now, which is, yeah. is awesome, but, like, five years ago, Dungeons and Dragons was not as popular as it is right now. And yeah, it's so peaking. Many things are, yeah, peaking. It's, it's peaking. So uh, to sort of 
have this uh, book be a and d adventure with one of the lesser known characters and then have the sort of deus ex machina of getting out of it be related to needing to go fight the Milk Wars, which came out a long time ago. Yeah. Like almost a year ago. Moonbase was still around. Yeah. It was last winter, Justin right? was around <laughs> with the start of Moon, Moon, Milk Wars, maybe. maybe. No, I, it was shortly after I left. Because okay. I, yeah. Milk. Milk. That was what made me break up with my last comic book shop as I... Uh, Couldn't get I, my Milk Wars? No, I told them I didn't want any auto-subs, and they were, like, pissed about it. Everybody, Every store does auto-subs in a different way. Some oh, people yeah. were like, I want Spider-Man. They're like, cool, I'm going to get you every Spider-Man book. Yeah, they were kind of pushy about yeah. my auto-subs. I was like, I just wanted to... Anyway, um, yeah, just a, like a one-off with a character that didn't really go anywhere. It felt like maybe this would be okay in, in the middle of the book. Yeah, I feel like there was a... A lot of good stuff going on in Doom Patrol, but maybe it wasn't plotted super tightly. And this feels like an epi- like an epilogue we did not need. And like, yeah, for sure, we did not need this book. It didn't help me flesh out any characters or make any more sense of Milk Wars or... But let's... Hey, let's sort of like beyond the veil this thing. Oh, through the veil. Through... Just just past it. Okay, just like into the day month. The thing behind the veil... Um, why do you think this was so late? The only thing that in my mind immediately came up was that Nick Darrington was doing all the covers for Mr. Miracle. This is not Darrington, though. This is not Darrington. Is it not Darrington? No. There's no fucking way this He's is. He's listed as the second creator, though. Um, I follow but, this this guy on okay. Instagram. Um, he's a different dude. Do we... Does it feel like a Dungeons & Dragons story? Does it feel like a Dungeons & Dragons cartoon parody? More of that, I guess. The cartoon? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty confusing, but look, you got the team there. Flex Metallo is flexing. I like that. Oh yeah, is Flex in this issue? No, uh, none of the. It's just the little kid that got like magic demon powers. The second to last issue of the story. Wait, the big barbarian dude, Sam. That's there? his dad. Oh okay, I and thought he that, was that was more of a main character. Yeah, his I dad was is the ambulance guy. driver. He is okay, and his son was the one that was doing all the demonic shit in his yeah, bedroom. Yeah, okay. Um. Dan McCade did the art. Dan McCade, that's that guy. Who is name. this guy? He's a cool guy. Uh, I give it a TLDR. Too long since it came out. Uh, I didn't read it. Yeah. I mean, in uh, just like my bias towards Doom Patrol is like the coolest superhero team in my opinion, and wanting to support more goofy, weird stuff like this, uh, the misfit superheroes. I'll give it like a six. Yeah, I like. I'm thinking like six or six point five for a thing that has no reason to be. It was it was all right. <laughs> yeah, like why why are you here? And I like misfit comics and misfit superheroes and comics misfit comics with misfit superheroes. Why but. didn't they just put out the volume with one less issue than a normal? You know. Yeah, yeah. It's just such a weird post story. So that was our stunning review of <laughs> Doom Patrol number twelve. He's <laughs> got something else to talk about. I want to talk about Martinelli's apple juice. No. Fuck you, Murphys. <laughs> Django, would you give me the 18-issue rundown on Wildstorm and everything that I've missed? Yep, there's a bald guy. He looks a lot like Grant Morrison. But he's, he's up old. in space. He sure does look like he's Grant old. Morrison. He's angry. He's really he's angry. rude. He's so rude to his nice assistant. <laughs> it's true, but he's pretty, like, quippy. Yeah, there's also a handsome guy down on Earth. They're on opposite teams. I don't really know who's on which team <laughs> other than that. Uh, but I do like the fact that John Lynch, old like uh, I think that's basically old man Gordon, is running around trying to kill P. 
people that we remember from the mid-90s. Yeah, I imagine John Lynch. He looks like uh, Josh Brolin's character in Old Country for No... Old, yep. No Country as, for No... Yeah, 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 As yeah. an old guy. Yeah. He's so, just like mustachioed. So is he trying to kill people, or is he going and warning all of these yeah, people that somebody... is trying so to retcon them. He used to be in charge of this organization that implanted this device in a bunch of people mm-hmm. and now those people all have these crazy powers that are manifested and it's we've learned it's less of a device and more of an ancient alien daemon race that right. had come to earth so we've got all these people with these powers we've got the organization that implanted them with powers in space in space and then they're at odds with io which is the one owned by the dumb guy that the girl stole the suit from at the beginning yeah i don't really know their role in the whole thing they're trying to orchestrate they're like the secret reason why wars happen they're like uh you know the sec- they're the illuminati Okay, yeah. I and they're and they're like the science version of the Illuminati. I don't think that there's a whole lot of alien race stuff happening with Io. I think they're yeah, trying they to didn't s- seem to per- have any relationship with the demons in the yeah. 17 issues we read prior. Yeah, it seems like they're trying to protect the Earth from becoming a multi-galactic species by doing any means necessary, and they're pretty shady. So yeah, they're like we shouldn't be fucking around with aliens, you know, or and they're trying to capitalize on the te- like use it as well use the tech but not the implants yeah not, not the alien implants and they're not real good at security they like that's their big weaknesses and we've got the alien race which is implanted into a lot of people's brains but also is just sort of around yeah yeah so we've got io is the old guy up in the ship is that skywatch skywatch okay and then we've got the people who used to be a part of skywatch right and, and those are the people down on the ground with the implants? Yeah. 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 And, and then we've got their kids, and we've got John Lynch, who's no longer part of Skywatch, and then we've got the Damons. We've got, like, basically four groups. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. and I feel like Skywatch was in league with the Damons, but now they're not. They're, like, doing their own evil shit. Like, right. He's, yeah. he's absolutely insane. Yeah, they're, like... Because that scientist that he goes and visits today in this issue that looks yeah. like a brother of his or something... Yeah. Um has developed several types of implants. We know that the mm-hmm. first wave didn't work well, the second wave kind of well, and the third ones he thinks are great, and those are the ones that are like... We so, haven't met yet, right? Or is I that the one that that lady stole? I think that those were Midnight or Apollo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that, that, that yeah. over shows that again when it's talking about it. And then they throw <clears> that casual <throat> reference to the authority out. Um, <laughs> so and there's like, backlash we, in there. Yeah, do we think cool. that like this is... So it definitely seems like, yeah, the Gen 13 stuff is going to be a part of it, because like... All of the people with the implants have been driven to procreate, and the mm-hmm. implant or alien has passed on to their children. And, like, apparently that's what originally Gen 13 was. Okay. So said Colette, who is has read all this stuff. I, I, I didn't read most of this. Yeah, so, so either what this book becomes or the next book is maybe either going to be a Gen 13 thing or that casual reference to the authority made it seem like maybe... We would see another authority book. Is that the same well, we've world had, of stuff? I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if if he did the authority rather than Gen thirteen. He he did the authority back in the day, right? Which is what makes it feel weird to me. I almost feel yeah. What if this is like a some way related to his old authority run? I think it's this is a totally separate universe. I think, uh, but like they've been assembling this authority team for a few issues now with uh, the guy whose feet turn into. Shoes like he can talk and feel cities. Yeah, who is he? He's the is he the John Hawksmore, the hot guy from Gen Thirteen with the big bird. No, uh, with the big bird tattoo. No, he's he's straight up authority. Like uh, he looks a little bit like Midnighter 
out of his out of his costume. He's got like a like a just dark hair and a suit, and he he can feel a city and, and manipulate cities. Huh. He's and very speak handsome. To them. I haven't read any of that original stuff, so I oh. I as cool as it all looks, I, yeah. I, for me, it's like. I love that Colette really likes this book because I think that she probably is putting it all into place a little bit better than I yeah. am because, you know, she had said like Gen 13 or, or, you know, these are the parents of all those people. And um, I, I can't recommend that book enough. The original, like, one, the original authority I would put up there like parallel with Planetary. Um, so Warren Ellis did the first half and then Mark Millar did the second half? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't they know if did I... some stuff in it too, he did right? Quietly yeah, did I got the big like second half of it. Um I, I guess I don't know if I read the Mark Miller stuff or not. Okay, I was just curious if it stayed good through the whole thing or it, that Mark Millar in that era is very like, look at all these shiny things in my hands. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm curious if it. <laughs> the Warren Ellis bit was great. Okay. Uh, and there are a couple spinoffs that overlapped with Justice League even. Okay. This removed from like I like to just pretend that I well I don't know a lot of these characters but I just like to pretend they're original characters because just as like a parapolitical sci-fi conspiracy theory thing. It's very, very good. And that's sort of what I was thinking. It's just that, like, that's the only way I'm able to process this is yeah. it's this big conspiracy organization. Huge. Like, and I think that mostly this, the Wildstorm book, has entirely been setting up a chessboard. Yep. Yeah. And even Michael Cray was just sort of a, a zoom in. Like, we really liked that yeah. series, how related it was to the DC universe, but it was really just a zoom in on what the role of these Damon implants is and how it affects the people that it's in. And it felt totally separate from this. And then in this issue, like the whole Michael Cray series sort of pays off Yeah, with his interactions in this issue. I really like the blend of like alien high-tech aliens with like spiritual angelic, like spiritual beings. Like they're the same thing. Yeah, I really like, they're, like that too. They went to that like ayahuasca shamans in like issue eight yeah. healing organization and young, yeah. a guy that looks specifically like young was there and he's like, Oh, these things have been around for forever. They're yeah. like, this is what inspires people. That was like the first issue where we finally started to like, you know, see what was kind of going on here. Yeah. And these things look a lot like the demons from wildcats, the old wildcats run that Hellspont would put in people's heads. That's what they are. Oh, okay. So they are yeah. those things. Yeah. So this is all based on the wildcats. But like most most of these characters are, are all yeah. these characters are from the Wildcats, and that's that's what Wildcats ended up being was aliens inside of people, like uh, yeah, like Voodoo and and uh, the short guy. But this makes it like smarter and like those were just like ooh ugly ooky grayling green guys that hop inside you, yeah, like body snatcher, and this is like making it this long ancient alien story essentially uh, it's, it's great very good. and it sets a cool sort of dynamic or relationship up between the implant aliens and the people that they live within also cannot say enough that like the interior art i don't i don't honestly think in terms of how i read an action sequence i don't think there's somebody who can frame an action sequence better than this person right now to me it's I, I, so good so, it's so good. well done yeah it's even I, better than like that uh punisher issue we talked about the other day which had a really greatly uh designed battle sequence yeah this one is just from like the way smoke canisters get shot out and he'll use an entire horizontal panel just sort of showing those bouncing and like the smoke that it's creating like it's it's really really impressive so many battle scenes in comics feel like a pause from the story like okay let's pause and have this badass where they this feels like storytelling is going on with the action yeah 
Yeah, they're it showing you the, like the strengths and weaknesses, and and maybe something a little more psychological. Yeah. for the characters that are fighting, it's really well done. I missed a few issues, and at this point, the plot is so tangled and big that I can't even really tell what I've missed. But I, I know didn't I'm missing miss any something. issues, and I feel the same. Yeah, way. Yeah, I haven't either, and I, it's, it is one of those things where you just I think skate through it, like. It'll, you're you're reading it for the reread and not necessarily for understanding it issue to issue. For me, it's, I, so it was a real small week this week. So maybe in light of a buckshot, um, just quickly, maybe independent thoughts on any other books that anyone read. I I would talk quickly about Old Man Hawkeye number ten. I would talk about this one. Ethan Sachs, Marco Cicchetto. Uh This book has stayed super super good. There's two issues left. Um, I'm. I don't necessarily want it to end. I do think the second half has been a little bit slower than the first half because I don't really know Thunderbolt's characters, which is a yeah. big part of what is going on as he's revisiting these Thunderbolts team that references an older run, maybe even the Warren Ellis run. Uh, so it's it, it doesn't resonate quite as deeply, but the art is gorgeous, and I love the characters, and I love this world. I... Yeah, I mean, I've loved every single issue of this. The Sentinels look good. The art is so, so good. I hope this guy writes more. He wrote that zombie book that we liked recently. I would give this issue an eight, even when it's, you know, not super, super killing it. Django, you look a little trigger happy. Are you sure you don't want to try to get a quick buck off? No, I don't need to do a buck. You're you're pl- you're playing with your shells there. You're loading just, your gun up. I, just, I can't decide I like which. The, taste, uh, the powder. I, I, I think I want to talk about Batman Secret Files number one, which was uh, kind of a surprise to me, I guess... If if I was Jeff and did the ordering, I would know things are coming out. Mm. Um, this this had a it was advertised I think as a Tom King with various artists. Turns out Tom King wrote three pages, but they were pretty gosh darn good three pages. It was uh, Superman offering Batman a piece of kryptonite from the Phantom Zone that would give Batman superpowers, and Superman's like, hey. I think maybe you could use this, which I think is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's the, kind of the ultimate sign of respect from Superman is offering somebody his powers, and uh, and so Batman just kind of starts thinking about whether he deserves it or not, and we get three little, you know, fifteen, ten, ten, fifteen page stories out of it, including one with Detective Chimp that has a really good gargoyle gag in it question yeah so i read the the beginning of it in the first story uh-huh um didn't read the like next two or whatever does the end of it come back to that beginning bit i didn't no. read them as connected together at all but i only read so we don't ever get any follow-up on what he does with that thing we that don't and i even. think that's a little bit bullshit i would love i would love for him to just sort of like tweezer it into a thing and sort of seal it or throw it or bury it away or something because yeah. i love the i just i love that framing device i love that introduction i really enjoyed it and I like the ambiguity of just what would Batman do with it, and I don't think that he would use it. I don't even think no. he would you know, try to find out if that was real. No. But, to but me, that's the thing that Batman always wanted, and when you get everything you've always wanted, you have you, you choke a little bit. Like yeah. him, like, I, well, my entire purpose is, like, born in opposition to this thing. You know, my whole reason I am who I am is because I don't have powers. So. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. The, the little stories were great. I, I liked them all quite a bit. They... Not worthy of a full comic each, but I think that in this in this way they worked really well. There's like the first one looks a lot like Year One art, which I really did. It remind me of Year One meets Aja. 
Yeah. And I really yeah. like that story and that art. I, yeah. I, I think that would be an awesome follows foolish. a guy into insanity. Yeah. It's great. And Batman is very, yeah. Yeah, I did really like that artist. Um, and the detective chimp one. He's like, there are seven gargoyles on this building. I knew which one you'd be on. Batman says, how'd you know that? And he said, it's the only one that's not smiling. <laughs> I'm not even smiling. Uh, it's... Uh, just crazy that like we were reading Scott Snyder Batman, which was very good, but I, you know, was hesitant to want another Batman writer, and now I'm just like I love Tom King's voice for Batman so much more than any Batman I've read since Grant Morrison. To have such a strong vision behind it is is really really awesome, and yeah. I it, just his involvement at all, just sort of like well here's a framing device, I think raises the tier of quality of the book up pretty significantly. Yeah. that's super impressive to me. I sat there and thought about like what Tom King would do with platinum. Like if that reoccurred in the Batman comic, in the Batman comic books. Um, and just that idea of the like impossible kryptonite that gives you powers. And then I started thinking like, what if the fortress of solitude was made at, like I just kept thinking about the mythos of like, he just dropped a little nugget of an idea and it could be such, it has such potential. And then he throws it away. It was, yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, in a, in a couple issues of Batman, two or three away from now, um, he's bringing back that character that was like the kid who was Bruce Wayne or wanted oh, to be Bruce really? Wayne and like killed his parents or something. They introduced like 30 issues ago. And yeah. Like it's going to be a big deal and it just disappeared for almost a year or something and now it's coming back. So that's cool. Nice. Justin, did you read? Did you read? Oh, I read What If Magic uh, with a K. Oh, with a K. Huh. Uh, became the Sorcerer Supreme. It was pretty cool. It's your typical setup, uh, kind of angry, impulsive, young magic is going around defending herself, but keeps getting attacked by people, um, and she's going too far and kind of messing them up. So Doctor Strange is investigating these as a series of murders because when she has these outbursts, like the magical grid explodes and he gets like waves of magical energy so he follows it to this girl magic she's you know born in purgatory and escaped i don't know her powers but it seems like she can teleport and do a bunch of stuff and in your typical training montage he trains her to eventually after she overcomes her anger via learning the lessons of being a sorcerer um in meditation that she's going to become the new sorcerer supreme she fights her old villain and kills him with this thing that she makes like a representation of her soul as a staff which is what you see magic with sometimes um the story was pretty generic but the art is so so yeah. cool for a magic book it reminds me of odd Koch's work when she did that two pages on the ultimates Philippe Andrade. yeah um really really liked the art like i said the story was take it or leave it um a lot of setup, yeah, yeah, and the colors are amazing. So that was a good flashy book. If you guys just want a one-off story that kind of looks and feels like how you think a Doctor Strange book would read, that one was like, oh, it's got Ditko colors and crazy panel setups. It was pretty satisfying. Nice. Um, I think is that everything we've got. Let's see. It was a small week of comics. This this fifth month, the fifth week thing, um, really did. Every week was pretty small. Yeah, I think I think that's everything. We uh, we did the intro. Did the intro. We told him what we were going to tell him. Told him. Then we told him. Sure did. Yep. 
Thanks, Nick. Wait for letting us use your charming little intro and outro music every week. Love it. Stimmingway. SoundCloud.com slash Stimmingway. Charming guy. Charming music. Charming boys. Uh, thanks to Intelitonic. Intelitonic.com for uh, sponsoring this episode. They'll help people find your shit, but I actually do it in a way that's meaningful. And I think they do more than that, too. I think they're like a full-service ad agency. So, also. like, we're going to we're gonna sort of unwrap that present uh, for the next week or two. Uh, sure. Or a couple weeks, rather. And, yeah. uh, and we're just going to further really discover what Intelitonic is. Maybe we should and, get uh, them on here. Yeah. Thank you, Where's My Bear, Jeff's new stuffed animal... Where is my berry? Jeff's new stuffed animal finding service. He found me a new berry. It's the best thing about Jeff's animal finding service is that when you lose your stuffed animal, some people would put some sort of digital tracker or a tile in it. Jeff just goes around and looks for it. Yeah. There's <laughs> nothing, nothing digital about it. It's 100% organic. He just uses his meat eyes to find your stuffy. You see Jeff running around. I'm like, Jeff, do you have office hours today? He's like, no, I'm on the streets. Looking for us. Getting the bands to the people. Hey, also, y'all should go to Intelitonic.com, actually. Just go check it out. Get some. Hey, like, makes us look really good if they get a little, little peek in the, the people going to their website. We don't want them to think that we're about to take their jobs but by like, sending people to their site, but uh, we want to get right up to that threshold. We want them to be paying us to be the mechanist. Like, they could abandon coding and just send us things that we would find people to then go check stuff out for. Recommendation cast. Mmm. Home records. Oh. oh. Yeah. Oh. Gold records. Oh. Cash records. Houses for gold for cash for this houses. This is getting too close to a chant. Yeah. Houses for gold for cash for houses. <laughs> So, like, we'll see you next week. We love y'all very, very much. I'm Jeff, and you're welcome for getting you the close close to that chant and then just sort of tipping the airplane over. We're getting you up next to that big old storm cloud. Then we're going to bring you down to bed. I'm Don't Django. Chant. I'm Django, and I can't <laughs> believe that Justin, who loves witchery and witchcraft as much as he does, can't handle a chant. You're going to summon the wrong demon, Justin. Demon. Demon. I'm Justin, and I have the only demon I need right here with me, Newberry. No, <laughs> oh, I love you. <laughs> good night. Or good morning. Happy Halloween. Spooky. Oh! Oh! Yeah.